this morning. Uh, glad to have the whole band back, although I love to get to lead worship when I get the opportunity. Um, we're really blessed to be in this place and have the group of people that we do. Uh, and so today, we will be in our series, Why? Uh, we've been asking a lot of these questions. Why? Why do certain things happen? Um, why the good and why the bad as well? Uh, and <clears throat> today, we'll be looking at why family. So we've kind of touched on a number of the things that God starts out at the very beginning of time, man and woman, uh, the institution of marriage, uh, and uh, a lot of difficult questions too, why pain? Well, today, uh, we'll look at why family. Uh, well, how does God use the family unit as the primary means to carry on or pass on the gospel to the next generation and to show the rest of the world? And so I hope you'll join me. We'll be in Deuteronomy 6, be in the Old Testament towards the beginning. And the phrase I want you to remember is just our greatest purpose, our greatest purpose. And we find that in family. Now, uh, maybe you find yourself here today and uh, maybe you're single or maybe a loved one, a spouse has passed on uh, or maybe you're a couple that hasn't had any kids. And so there's, uh, I think, a place for you or a space for you here too uh, inside of the family of God. So whether it's the immediate family or whether it's the family of God, we all get these spaces in these areas where um, God allows us to help pass on the gospel to the next generation, okay? Uh, and so with that, I want to share something with you. Um, you can turn it to the next slide. Uh, this is our, yeah, this is our attempt at a uh, Christmas card. Now, <clears throat> I only showed you a few of them, actually. Uh, so yeah, we had 67 attempts. I actually went through and counted them. I don't know if you've ever done that before. You're like going through the phone, you know, just trying to find the best one. <clears throat> and um, we did get the best one. And so of course we put that one up, you know, posted to social media and everything. Uh, so we had 67 attempts. And sometimes I think as we, you know, we have those attempts at times that can be really frustrating, right? And there's kind of this, uh, I think, this correlation to life as well. We see the commands in scriptures and we, we read these things and then we go like, man, if we could just get it right the first time, like every time, you know, it's like when we get out to take the Christmas picture, we could just do one and done, but that rarely happens, right? Life's not perfect, and, and things happen throughout our lives and throughout our families where we just go, man, it seems like it's taken some time to get to where we want to be or to get that perfect picture, right? And we all know how that works. We find it, we put it up on social media, and as I was thinking about that and just um, all the things going on around the world, um, so Andy mentioned it when he prayed for uh, Ukraine, um, just the terrible things going on there, um, and, and just, you know, you, there, you see those things, you're like, I want to do something, uh, and I just think, just continue to pray, but in the same way, uh, we do. We, at times, we take for granted those things. Our families, um, not having to be uh, rushed out of a place maybe that we've lived our whole lives to try to find refuge somewhere else. Uh, this setting is the church. We get to come and worship, and uh, nobody's uh, driving a tank down the street, right? So we should be very thankful for that. Um, and at any time, those things can change. Um, I was just doing some research and thinking about that this week, along with um, this, this idea, so our, our greatest purpose in family and why family. So why are we here? What are we doing? And I came across this quote by Ronald Reagan uh, back in 1967. He said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And the truth is, I, I was thinking of another phrase, so that, that's true, while for a nation, freedom can be gone like that, Right? Uh, and then I thought of this, we're only one generation away from godlessness as well. 
And so if we think about that and we really start to feel the, the weight of that, us as parents, as grandparents, as uh, the family of faith, remember, because we talked about those individuals, maybe somebody who's single or maybe somebody, a couple who's never had kids, and we come to this place and we're each given this responsibility of helping carry that message, of helping carry the gospel to the next generation. And as we think about that, we have to remember that if we don't do our part, then what will our kids, what will our kids' kids do? What will they remember, uh, and how will they prepare the next generation? It really, really matters what we do now. So we stand to lose freedom really easily, but do we stand to lose godliness as well? It's only a generation away. And so as we think about that, you think about your Christmas picture and just getting that one perfect picture. Sometimes life's about get being on that 30th or that 40th attempt and going like, ah, it's just not the way that I'd, I'd do it or I'd want it right now. Hang in there, okay? Because the 67th attempt, I promise, it's, it's coming, okay? And so we'll be in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6. And as, you know, as we prepare to go into it, we think about um, where uh, Moses was at this time. This was probably a pretty difficult spot for Moses. He had, been, uh, he, he had gone through some difficult things in his life before. He was in Egypt. He, he fled uh, because he killed somebody. And so then he goes back as God's you know, chosen guy to bring the people out of Egypt. And he, he does that, and they're on their way to the promised land. And what happens? The people, they see the land, and they see the people in it, and they're like, uh... I don't know. Like, I mean, I know God brought us out of the land of Egypt. You know, remember all the plagues? And remember imparting the water and, like, having it come back and swallow up all the Egyptians? Remember how he's, like, saved us over and over and over again, provided for our needs throughout the wilderness? He's given us food and water. Everything we needed, because we forget that too, don't we? As people of God, we look back now and we go, man, they, they would just get their act together, right? But we continue to see that people forget, right? And so Moses says he knows he's not going to go into the promised land, right? He, he gets to go up um, kind of on this, this mountaintop, and he looks over at the promised land. Can you imagine that? You've been with the people of God this whole time, and God's like, because the people didn't have faith, your generation, everybody with you is going to have to pass away before you get to go into the promised land. And Moses, he could have just been like, okay, well, fine, God. I'm just going to twiddle my thumbs until the end. No, he knew he had a purpose, and it, maybe it wasn't to go into the promised land, but it was to prepare this next generation. So Joshua, who's going to be the leader, and, and all these people who are getting ready to go in, they're going to take the land. It's going to be by force, as well as by God's power. And uh, he, he goes, here's what I need to remind the people of. Here's what I need to reiterate. And so he's going to remind them of some things that would uh, be good for us to remember too. So they're on the plains of Moab. They're about to go into the promised land, and Moses like, Here's what we can't forget, right? And we got to be doing the same thing with our kids, with our grandkids, with the people who are here at church, our kids that we're training up and we're teaching. And so here's the, fill in the first fill in the blank, the next generation. So um, this is what we've been talking about, next generation. So um, that's my in-laws, uh, Rod and Jamie. Most of you know them well as they work with Order Life Local Church Ministries. Christy and I are kids, and then... Uh, Christy's sister, Rachel, uh, her kids are up there too. So I love that picture because it just kind of, it gives you this picture of the, the next generation. While we're not in it, it's the next, next generation. And there's so many things that they've taught us that my parents have taught me over the years, um, just in growing in godliness and wisdom, that if I didn't have them, you know, I'd be, I'd, where would I be? You know, <laughs> what would I be doing? Uh, 
probably definitely not this, right? I'm standing here talking to you now. And so what we do with our kids, what we teach them, how we train them up, it matters. And it seems like this, um, like this insurmountable task a lot of the times, doesn't it? We're like, how are we going to help our kids to be <laughs> responsible, you know, members of society, but be followers of Jesus and do, thing, you know, do something important with their lives, do something that matters? Sometimes it just seems like, how are we going to ever get to that point? And we're on like attempt 50, and 16, we're going like, uh, are we ever going to get it right? Well, there's hope for us because God gives us in his word these principles that, he re- that Moses reminds the people of here in Deuteronomy. And so found in verse 1, it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you're going over to possess it. So again, we have this uh, responsibility. So God doesn't just look at us as parents, as grandparents, as, as maybe that, that um, individual in the church who, whether or not you had kids or not, they're there to serve, they're to help out, they're to help lead people. Um, God's given us each a specific task to prepare this next generation. And isn't it, isn't it great, like a, as a part of the family of God, we don't just have like our immediate children that we get to help and we get to lead and we get to take care of. We have this community of faith that we get to come alongside and we get to instruct and help lead and give wisdom. And so I don't know about you, but I'm just thankful to be a part of a community like that, that not just as believers, but as this immediate body, we have this responsibility. And so Moses, he's about to remind him, he says, remember the commandments that God just gave us. This wasn't like this was a long time ago. He gave him the Ten Commandments and got rules and statutes, the way that God's people should operate. And then in verse 2, It says that you may fear the Lord, your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commands, which I commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. And I I love this verse too, because it's kind of a reminder of what we see in the Ten Commandments. There's one commandment with a promise. You remember it's to honor your father and mother. Yeah, Bruce is like, I know that one. (laughs) I know how that one works. Yeah, honor your father and mother, so that you will have a long life. You live long, okay? And so uh, here he says it again, which I commanded you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Long in wisdom, right? Somebody can have a long life, but it cannot be a good one, right? Uh, And so um, this word here for fear, we've talked about it before, but in the Hebrew, it's the word yare. Uh, It means to stand in awe, to have respect, to have reference for. And this isn't the kind of, I think when we, we see this, we go, you know, we, we want our kids to just be afraid to even look at us. And I don't think that's the way that God wants us to, you know, to view him, but we, we should view him from a respectful standpoint, from the standpoint of we want to uh, honor him always, no matter what. And creator of the universe, there should be some awe, right? There should be some reverence. The truth is, if we fear, if we, if we show to our kids, because I think we do this too, we, we're like, you know, do what I said not what I do, right? <laughs> We've heard that before too, right? Because we make mistakes too, and it's okay to go, you know what? Mom and dad are not perfect. Grandma and grandpa, they're not perfect, but they're trying to do their best, and they're trying to lead you in the right direction. So do what they say, right? That's not necessarily something that you can't say, but we, we show them with our lives too, in the way that we live. So if we don't live a life that's, that's making this wholehearted attempt to follow God, even though we'll stumble along the way, then you know, we, we have to be careful about that. And we'll see this word careful here too shortly. But I want to read a, another passage in Proverbs. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So where does this fear, where does this wisdom, where does it start? 
And I, I think about this a lot because, you know, there's going to be a day that I'm not around anymore. And those are some of the most difficult conversations you'll ever have with your kids. Sometimes we don't have them until a lot later in life, and that reality seems more clear. But the truth is that we should always have this reminder in the back of our minds that we're going, it matters how I live right now. It matters what I say right now because our kids are going to look at us and they're going to go, what did they really fear? I mean, what did they really live in awe of? What did they really live in reverence of? And I love student ministry. I love you know, little kids too. It's why we did that for so long in ministry before coming here uh, because it's like you can't lie to kids. Right? You can't even you can't even like pretend, you know. You, you'll say one thing and they'll be like, "I don't believe you," <laughs> you know. And so I love that because you're talking to a kid and they can just see right through you, can't they? You can't lie. It's the same thing with your kids too. They'll know. They'll be like, "I know you're saying that, but I don't think you really, <laughs> I don't think you really believe it." Uh, and so we have to be reminded of this. So it matters. What do we fear? What do we live in reverence of, in awe of? We can't just pretend. And the verse three says, "Hear therefore, O Israel, and be." careful to do them, that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. So he, uh, he says um, that we need to live in awe of God and that we need to be careful, right? So we need to be careful. We need to be thinking about God and what he wants for our lives. Uh, this word here just means to keep, to guard, to observe, or to give heed to. So uh, Godliness doesn't happen by accident, right? We don't like wake up in the morning and be like, I know the entirety of the Bible. Like I just know it by heart, by mind. I can recite it all to you. That doesn't just happen, right? So we have to actually spend time with the Lord. We have to actually invest in the Lord, right? We have to grow with Him. And so he says, hey, you, know, you need to be careful to do them that it may go well with you. So there's some careful attention here and there's some dedication too, right? And I think um, there's this, branch of Christianity, if you want to call it in America, um, just, just called cultural Christianity. Um, it's the kind where, you know, some, like you'll come to church sometimes, like maybe even like, hey, I'll come like, you know, Easter and, uh, you know, maybe Christmas, maybe a couple other times, and I think God will be happy with that, and maybe I'll, I'll give it to the church or another charity every once in a while, and I think God will be pleased with that. And then I can, what I can do is I can call myself a Christian. And people look at me a certain way, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, he's a good, you know, good guy, you know, <laughs> follows, he's a Christian, he does something for God, right? But then I've always been challenged by other faiths, right? By other cultures. Um, <clears throat> I love that we're talking about VBS already because it's just, it's one of this, um, this great outreach ministries that we have. We do it in the community, we invite families, they get connected to our church. In fact, we have kids who are coming to our kids programs right now. They got connected through VBS, so that's one of the reasons that we do this. And so um, this last summer when we were doing our VBS, it was like the first one in a couple of years because of COVID and all those restrictions, things we couldn't do. So it was a really exciting time, not to mention all the storms and things. So And kids coming in here in this space and have the, you know, the, the balloons popping all over the place. But when we were out there, um, this family uh, came through, and you probably noticed them. It was a Muslim family. And they stopped, and I think several of you interacted with them and were talking. But one of the things I noticed was the son and the dad, they stopped. And they went over and they laid out this prayer blanket out in the field. And they prayed, albeit to a God who does not exist. 
And in that moment, I was challenged. I was going, we're out here doing this VBS, and like I know, we're dedicated, right? We love that. Like, I've never had, you know, so many people in a church show up to help out with a VBS. It's like the whole church almost. It's great. And so we're dedicated in that area, but I'm like, are we, are we, like, are we really dedicated? Is, how could somebody who's, who's worshiping a God who doesn't exist be more dedicated than us? And I don't know. I was just challenged by that. I was like, and he's praying to somebody who doesn't exist. And we worship a God who is alive, a God who's uh, amazing, a God who gives us life eternal. And I, I was thinking like, man, I, you know, I want to I be sure that we're more dedicated than that. So as I was reading that, I was thinking about this, man, we should be careful, right? We should be dedicated to the Lord. Uh, and maybe it's not in this like cold, like ritualistic, like we have to lay down our prayer blanket and we have to pray to a certain direction or else God's going to be mad at us like t- three times a day. And if we don't do that for this duration of time, then you know he's going to hurt us. He's going to do something. Things are not going to you know, go right. Well, here he's going, hey, be careful to do them. And Moses is pointing the people in this direction that you know, when, when you start to forget God and his good blessings and the ways that he's taken care of us, we start to give credit to ourselves, then man, things start to go bad, don't they? And we start to say, hey, it's all about me. It's about my way or the highway doing things. So are we dedicated? Are we careful? Because the next generation matters. Moses knew that. He's, he's like, I'm not going in with you guys. <laughs> that was probably pretty well known. I'm not going in. Joshua's taking you in. So listen carefully before you go in, okay? And so that's about the next generation. The next fill in the blank is the everyday, right? A lot of times we ask questions about, well, yeah, I know what the Bible says, but then how do I, like, what does this look like every day? I mean, with our families, with our kids, with our friends, how do we, you know, how do we lead well? And so we see this every day in verses 4 through 9. Because our God, he's different. He's, he's different. He's completely other than all the rest of the gods, little g. And so here's what Moses says. <clears throat> Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So how we, how we <clears throat> do life, how we live, how we operate, uh, it matters. It says a lot about who we are, you know. Whether you're worshiping a God who doesn't exist, at least that person's dedicated to something, Right? Um, so are we dedicated? And how do we do the everyday? Well, he says, oh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Are we having conversations? And a lot of times I think we, you know, we, we feel like if we don't have like this like sit down family Bible study, you know, every day or even once a week, we're like, we're bad Christians. Like we, you know, we like, we think about the, the Muslim family, the guy and his son, he's like, he's teach, he's, he's basically, he's indoctrinating him, right? He's saying, hey, here's the things that we do to be dedicated to God. And if we do these things, he'll be pleased with us, you know, give us good fortune, all that stuff. But for us, like, it, it matters why we do what we do, right? And so Moses, he's telling the people, he's going to give them a plan for like everyday operation. Uh, because if all we're doing is just going, wait, let me check this off. Let me check this off. If we don't do this, we don't do this, we don't do this, then God's going to be mad at us. Well, he genuinely wants us to, to want to know him, to love him, and to follow him. Uh, and so I, I, was on a, I was on a plane um, heading to Panama uh, on a mission trip uh, one time. And you know how, like, when you go to other countries, you know, here in the United States, it's nice because, like, you get on this, like, really big plane and you land at a big airport and then, you know, you go get your rental car, whatever. Andy and I were talking about that recently and going on a little vacation. So that's always good. We enjoy those things. But then we don't always think about, like, going to another country, maybe a third world country. You know, you get off, like, the big plane 
at like in one airport, and you're like, hey, you're going to get on this other littler plane. So the planes kept getting smaller, because like, we kept getting closer to where we were going to be, and I'm like, hey, so <laughs> what point are we going to, you know, stop with the plane? Well, then we got off the plane, and we got on, you know, the rickety bus, and like the, the road just kept getting worse. And so eventually you get to the place where you're going to do ministry, but the whole time, like I'm thinking like, how's my interaction going to go with people? And God put this one young man beside me, and I just asked him what he believed in. I didn't know who he was, and you know, we were going up into over the mountains in Panama on a much smaller plane. It was kind of, well, it was a lot more rickety than the big one. And so you're shaking, and I say, hey, um, man, so what do you believe? He's like, you know, gripping the, <laughs> gripping the chair. What do you believe, man? And um, I said, well, you know, yeah, I mean, I believe in God, but I think he's this God. He's like up in the you know, stars, and like you can't really know him. I mean, you know he's there, but he's not really this like personal guy. I said, what, what would you say if I told you there was this God that you could know personally, that you could have a relationship with? He's like, no way, man. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you could. And so it matters what we believe, right? Do we believe there's one true God that he's knowable? And are we telling that to our kids on a regular basis, right? Because I think it's one thing to say, we, we go to church, you know, we're Christians, you know, we do some of these things, and um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll give money to the church, we'll go on a, you know, trip every once in a while, go to youth camp, should do that, you should sign up for that, by the way. So we should do those things, but what are we saying to our kids? How are we living? How are we operating? What are us as the church? What are we saying? We're really saying, hey, we do worship the one true God. There's no other God. When your kids come in, right, and when kids come into youth group and they're like, hey, I heard this thing, you know, David, who's doing an awesome job with that, he gets to answer a lot of those kind of tough questions. Now, they went through a study on other religions, so it's important to go, here's what other people believe, but we worship the one true God. Moses is going, don't forget that. There's going to be a lot of other gods out there, little g. And they're not good. They're not cool. They're not the one true God, okay? Uh, so then in verse 5, um, what does this total pursuit look like? Well, every day, and it's hard. When we, we read this verse, verse 5, I'll just read it. It says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Now, why does that sign sound familiar? Because we've seen it in the New Testament when people are questioning Jesus and they're like, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Bet you can't answer that. He's like, oh, that's easy. It's in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy uh, 6, 5, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength, with all your mind. See it a couple of different ways. Uh, and, and so when we read that, we go, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know, how, am I supposed to, how am I supposed to help my kids to do that? Well, making the very best effort you can because every day it matters. Like when we get up, what do we say? How do we operate? What do we, what do we tell them? <clears throat> because it's our job to be that representation. So do we love Lord our God, with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our might. Some days it doesn't feel like that, right? Someday we're on like attempt 50, and we're just going like, I'll never get to that point. And then you get to that point where your kids, they see something, they hear something, they ask you a question like, is God like this? Man, you know, Dad, thank you for doing that. Or Mom, you know, you're so awesome in this area. Thank you for sharing that with me. Because we're always reminding our kids. We're talking about the Bible, we're sharing these things, and we're like, is it taking root? Sometimes it just takes over and over and over. We're waiting for that 67th attempt where it's like they get it, right? So don't lose heart. We need to keep going on this. Uh, so then in verse 6, it says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart, right? So we should be um, saying these things. We should be um, honoring the Lord. But we, we also want to know that um, uh, these things are inside of us. He says, they, uh, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. How, how do we do that? Well, we should be reading it, but we should be memorizing it too. So um, if your kids are in kids' club, they're getting sent home with a little, you know, little piece of paper. has a verse that they're going over. And we, so we talk about those verses all the time. And we say, hey, are, are we reading this? Do we know what it is? Because if it's not on our hearts, 
then how are we supposed to apply it? I mean, when things get tough, when we're like, I can't believe we still haven't gotten that perfect picture. We don't have that teachable moment yet. Things seem difficult. Maybe you're going through a rough couple of weeks, rough couple of days, and you're going like, man, like I need some encouragement. So you'll get there. So because we need to remember these things. The everyday, how do we operate? It's not always going to be perfect. Moses knew that. (laughs) He had a rough go about things too. And he's sending the people in. He said, I'm not going to be with you when you go in. So here's what you need to know. Um, and I'll read uh, Psalm 119, just part of this, because I think this helps us understand. Because we ask these questions, how do we operate every day? How do we lead our families? Um, this is a good place to go, Psalm 119, uh, verse 9 through 16. I'll read it. It says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in all your statutes. I will for not forget your word. There's a great deal of intentionality in this, isn't there? As the psalmist writes, he's going, it takes some effort, right? It takes some diligent pursuit of God. It takes being careful. It takes going, God, are we doing this right? Be reminded of it. Uh, and then daily teaching. So you get to verse 7, and uh, we see this more of this model like family discipleship, just a, a way of going about and talking about God. So in verse 7, it says, you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. So how are we supposed to teach these things diligently, right? You know, we've, you know, maybe you've gotten a look before. Maybe it was from a, you know, your, your own child or another child or a, you know, whoever. And you're, you're sharing the word and you're intentional about that. You're diligent. And your kid looks at you and they're like, Dad, I've heard this before. You know? Well, maybe it's the third or the fourth or the sixth, seventh time. But maybe it takes that many times for someone to hear that, for a young person to hear that and grow. So this word for diligently is the word shanan in the Hebrew means to sharpen or wet. So why do we sharpen things? Why do we wet things? Because we're going to use them to cut something. And interestingly enough, you look to the New Testament, when the word is spoken of, it's talked about like this sharp sword. We pray on the armor of God, it's this sword, right? So how do we prepare for life? How do we do these things? How do we operate? Well, it, it takes some preparation, some diligent preparation and teaching on our part. So maybe that's you here at the church, teaching a group of kids. Maybe it's in children's church or on Wednesday nights with little kids or on Sunday night with the youth, which we're going to have a Nerf war, right? So that's going to be awesome, right? I can't wait, you know, you know, mainly to get the other kids, not for them to shoot me. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. So how do we do that? Well, we hang out. We have fellowship. We enjoy doing those things. But we also go, here's this component of our lives that we can't look past. We have to diligently pursue God, don't we? Um, and so here's the second thing. When you sit down, talk about God. Right? Well, that's easy enough, isn't it? A lot of times I think unless we like sit in less like circle and we've got like the campfire going and somebody's singing Kumbaya, then it's not like this you know, moment of great you know, biblical and Christian growth. A lot of times 
where we really grow, it's maybe it's around the dinner table, maybe it's on the way to school um, or to work, and you get the opportunity to talk to your kids. Um, I, I know we're always just like reminding our kids of who God is. We're talking about the Word. We're doing the quiet time in the morning. We're driving in the car, and we're looking outside, and we're going, what a beautiful day, and you know, on the way to school, and it's like you know, pouring down snow, and it's like, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a great day, Lana, isn't it, right? <laughs> it's snowing again, right? And um, so yeah, yeah, we got some more of that this week. But what are we doing and what are we talking about? So, and then here's the third one. Uh, when, you, when you are walking the paths you normally take. So like wherever you're going, whatever you're doing, we should be thinking about God. We should be talking about these things. And it should be more casual than like, did you read your, did you read your quiet time today? Like we should be doing that and we should be asking those questions. I know there's a big push with our, with our students and it's one of the things that I really think is foundational because if we're, not, if we're leaving this place and we're not thinking about God, that's why we do the quiet time talk on Sunday mornings. So maybe you can anticipate and looking forward to one of our deacons, one of our leaders sharing uh, about what they're learning this week and what God's doing, right? Because we want to do that. We want to learn together. Um, but are we talking about these things? And I think it can be more casual than we make it, right? Satan discourages us because he goes, oh, you didn't do your quiet time today. Hmm. Bad Christian, <laughs> right? Or, oh, you didn't have that sit-down family Bible study. Man, not doing so well. Do we stop to think about just the casual interactions that we have and how God's going, hey, as you, as you go along your way, are you talking about God? Talk about his goodness, whatever he's doing in your life. And then here's the last one, or second to last one. When you lie your head down your pillow, it's a good, it's a good time to say, hey, you know, God, thank you for this day. Uh, what have we learned today? Read a Bible story to your kids, you know. Um, talk about what God's doing. Will this happen perfectly, like all the time, like every day? No. But what's our aim? What's our goal. Generally, it's not perfection. Everything's not going to happen exactly the way that you want it to happen, right? You don't get the Christmas card picture the first time, do you? But every day, and God can give us those opportunities if we're faithful and we're diligent to share and to encourage each other, especially our kids. And then when you get up, right? So what are we saying when we get up? Oh my gosh, we're late. Okay, everybody get, wait, you know, throw on your stuff. Right? You, you, oh, you didn't eat? Oh my goodness. Okay, get a Pop-Tart. Let's run out the door, right? Right? Because uh, that happens too, and some days you're just going like, I can't win. I mean, like, I just can't win. Because sometimes it takes a few attempts. But there are those days too, you get up, everybody's on time, ready early, you're talking about the day, you're reading the quiet time passage for the day, going like, what are we going to learn today, you know, kids? Um, how's the day going to go? And maybe, no kids at home too, maybe it's just your spouse, you know, walking out the door, going to work, going to do something else. Man, um, how can we learn? How can we grow? Well, uh, we, we think it's so complicated, but Moses is just going like, hey, I'm about to die. I'm not going to go into the promised land. Here's what you should do. When you're walking on the way, talk about God. When you're laying your head down, you should talk about God. When you get up, you should talk about God. What else? Well, let's keep going. In verse 8, where should we be teaching these things? He gives them some more information. In verse 8, it says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. So it's another way to say, hey, where, where is this? Where's this information? Where's God's word? Um, you know, we have phones now, so it makes it really easy. Like I've got like, like multiple Bible apps, and so I've got like my, you know, that I leave up. So it's like the proverb for the day is on there. I got another one I use for the quiet time passage for the day. And then I got another one I'm just using for like preparation for the week, for whatever I might be teaching. And so I've got this constant reminder when I get up, there it is. There's the quiet time app. Maybe use that. There's your Bible. I know some people, uh, maybe you'll just put your Bible like as the first thing that you grab when you get up. 
and, and just make it easy and, and do it then. So uh, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to put, put that word, put God's word as a reminder somewhere. Maybe you like writing things down, doing something colorful. You put it in your bathroom, put it up on the mirror, or put it in your car like as you're going to work, and it's a reminder who God is. Put it as your home screen on your phone, right? You think about how these things apply to us in our context right now. Moses is just going, he's going, okay, don't forget God. Put him everywhere. Talk about him when it, wherever you're at, whatever you're doing. Write his word down. Put it someplace. And then where should we teach these things? This is really part two in verse nine. Uh, it says, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So in that culture at that time, it was pretty common, right? Let's have a nice saying. Let's chisel something out. Let's put it you know, above the door and let's put it at the gate. It's kind of like you know, maybe like the gate to your, um, you know, to, into your inner yard. Um, a lot of people around that time would have something like that. So then the word would be there. There'd be a placard. There'd be a sign of some kind. And we can do those, some of those same things too. Maybe you've got your coffee mug used every day. It's got a Bible verse on it. You think about that. Uh, maybe you've got an actual like a verse above your door, like as you leave. And so those things are good to do. They're reminders of who God is, right? Because if the Bible, like, you know, and then we all say we live by it, right? But if like it, like sits on your shelf, right? And it collects dust. Or you get it on Sunday, or you leave it in the car because like, where did I leave my Bible? I can't figure it out. It's Friday. Oh, yeah. It's late Sunday. Yeah, I left it in the car. So, uh, but well, where are we using it? Where are we posting these things? Right? They should be everywhere for us. Okay. And so here's the last thing because we have the next generation. We have the everyday. So how do we live? How do we walk? How do we talk about God? Be reminded of who He is. Uh, Moses knew the best way to do it, and uh, he he lays it out for us, and we can even use it today. Uh, so here's the plan. Right? Everybody wants a plan. If you're Type A, needed plan. I need a plan. Uh, what are we going to do today? <laughs> I don't operate like that. Let's just do whatever. Let's go wherever. No, man, we need a plan. All right, we got to have it written down. Uh, so in the same way, Moses writes this down because people are going to hear all this. They're going to go follow God, talk about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, what's the actual plan? Okay, so here it is. You need to have the right perspective. And this is where it starts. In verse 10, you will take cities. You will take these cities they didn't build. So in verse 10, it says, and when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you, give you, with great and good cities that you did not build. Now, when we read this, we think about the people, you know, Moses going, I'm not going to be with you. Joshua's going to be with you. He's a stout warrior. He's a godly man. Um, He's going to take you in there. You're going to take places that weren't yours. That's going to give you this land and so what's our perspective? What was their perspective? Do all, is all this because of God? Well, yeah, of course. I mean, God's walked them all this way. But as we live and operate as this plan that we have, are we actually daily going like, God, everything that I have, man, you've given me. You've blessed us. And sometimes we get into this place where we're living and we're operating daily and we're going like, we don't need to talk about God. Like, you know, we'll, we'll get to him when everything's are tough or like when we really need him, like let, let's not bother him. He's got too much going on. Like, let's wait until we need to make the important phone call, right? But God's a Scott. He, he wants to be bothered by us. He wants to be uh, talked to by us. And, and it starts with this perspective that if we really understand God wants us to be close to him, uh, then, then we'll go, and God, everything that we have is yours. Nothing that we have right now, nothing belongs to us, nothing of the good gifts that he gives us, just you know, food on the table and a place to sleep and a car to take you to work and school, wherever else, all given to us. By God. And if we have that perspective, it makes it a little bit easier to live the everyday a little bit better. Uh, so then in verse 11, 
He says, in houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full. Um, so, man, how many times do we, do we receive these good blessings, these things that God gives, and then we, we just give credit to ourselves? That's really easy, isn't it? Like, I got good grades. I went to school. Got a good job. And that's why we have what we have. Instead, maybe we should go, man, God put me in a place and a time and he allowed me to be faithful in some of those areas, but you know what? He's given me these things every step of the way. And, and how grateful should we be to God because of that? Because he's blessed us in many ways, many ways. And then in verse 12, it says, Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the houses, out of the house of slavery. Moses knew, God knew, he's speaking through Moses, that the people, they were forgetful, right? Aren't you glad we're not like them? Right? We're forgetful, aren't we? we? We move from one season or another when something maybe goes the way that we want it to, and we're like, we're awesome. Like, thank you, God. Like, we must be great that everything's going this way. Or we go, isn't God amazing that he's taken care of us and he's blessed us? He says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God did a great work for the people of God, didn't he? And I mean, what did they do? As they were like, they were before the sea and the waters just opened up, right? They couldn't have done that, right? There are all these things that God did that when they look back, Moses is going, don't forget, don't forget. Because it's easy, right? We get bogged down, we get consumed with our own lives, the things that we um, do and we operate in. And it's tough. It's tough not to. And in 13, it says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. That same word there we looked at before. Him shall you serve, and by his name shall you swear. So it's this reminder to fear and to serve God, to give reverence to, to give honor, respect, because our kids will see that, right? The plan's not that difficult, is it? I know we make it, like, really difficult, but when it comes down to it, do we really... We really live in awe of God and who he is and what he's doing in our lives right now. Because our kids see that, right? People that we lead see that. The kids that we maybe, maybe you lead at church um, or anywhere else, they're going to look at us and go, hmm, does that match up? Does the word match up with their lives? Moses says, don't forget. And in verse 14, you shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. So don't be like the rest of the world, right? As we read this, you know, we go, as the people of God, yeah, they were entering into the promised land. Yeah, that would have been easy. I mean, look at all the things that God did. Wouldn't it have been cool to live back then? But what is God doing in your life right now? I mean, what are those, what are those victories that he's shown you in your life recently where you, you just you start to forget? It's because we don't remind ourselves of, of how good he is and what he's doing on a regular basis. In the last verse, for the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you and he destroy you from off the face of the earth. Now, when we, when we view God, a lot of times we think in him uh, in this way that and if I do one thing wrong, like he's just gonna, he's gonna throw the lightning bolt, like we think about him like Zeus, you know, I do something wrong and then, you know, he wants to harm me, he wants to hurt me. Well, Moses is going here, hey, guys, we, we know who God is, right? He's this jealous God, he's this fierce God and he loves his holiness. And do we worship him wholeheartedly? Do we give him reverence? Aren't you glad that as we're reading through the book of Hebrews, we see that over and over again, it says, Jesus is greater. You see this cross, 
The last couple of days, we've been, uh, it's been talking about the sacrifice and the blood that has to be offered, which is uncomfortable, honestly, right? A lot of us, we don't like to talk about blood. No, I don't like seeing it. Right? It kind of makes me sick, right? But when we talk about what Jesus did for us in the blood that was spilled on the cross, I mean, we don't have to walk into this place and, and, and be holding, you know, carrying a lamb with us. Everybody's like, hey, did you bring your, yeah, your firstborn lamb you know, with you for the sacrifice? Yeah, and, 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 and how thankful should we be that we, we look at this and, and Moses is going, hey, don't forget who God is, that for us he's paid this high price, right? This grace that we've been given is very, very costly, and so instead of taking this for granted, instead of looking back at the people of God and going like, man, he gave them all this stuff, they went into the promised land, and he reminded them, hey, let's live in a certain way that we really, we really live in awe of who God is, that we, we look at this next generation, we go, man, God's going to hold us accountable. I mean, why would we want to live our lives going, it doesn't matter. I mean, they'll, maybe they'll get it, maybe they won't. We'll go to church, and hopefully they'll hear something good there, right? But to leave this place and then actually talk about those things. And not make it like so difficult or not this like super stressful thing that we have to go unless we have like our little family Bible study every day, which if you do, great, by the way. Uh, if we don't have that, then um, man, we're like, we're just missing it, right? And sometimes it feels like that. You get to that 60th attempt, 65, 66, you're going like, when are, when are we going to get something good here? I mean, I, be, I keep saying this to my kids, and one day they're going to go, Dad, thanks for sharing that with me. Mom, thanks for saying that. Man, my life would be so different. Um, And I'm sure a lot of us in the room could say that. So in that same way, let's operate in that, but let's not live under this um, this great stress, this great burden, um, which God never meant for us to live with, that, that we would have to be perfect in order for our kids to know and follow Jesus. He's going, and Moses is going as they're entering into the promised land. It's, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. God's got all these blessings prepared. But you've got to be aware. You've got to remember, next generation's coming, right? We're not going to be here forever. So what are you going to do with that? How do we live the everyday? Well, we talked about that. Talking about God as you go. Talking about him as you lay down. Talking about him as you get up, as you're on the way. Um, we should be doing those things. And the plan, well, it's not quite as difficult. It's not quite as hard as we make it out to be a lot of the time. As we go through life, as we see maybe achievement, maybe success, we don't go, thank you, God, that I'm awesome. We go, God, thank you that you are and we keep that focus on who he is. And so I'll leave you with this. Because uh, we always ask, well, well, how do I live like right now? Like, what, if you're leaving this place, what do I do, you know, right now? Um, I remember a song by uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman. When I was growing up in the 90s, there wasn't like a lot of really awesome Christian music. It was like a small category. You guys have tons of it now, right? Kids should be thankful. You got all kinds of good Christian music. And so I was listening to this album, like Stephen Curtis Chapman. And uh, he has this song, The Next Five Minutes. And so in it, I'll just read the words here. He says, uh, <clears throat> but when it all comes down, I know it really, really all comes down to right now. So right now, I'm going to live the next five minutes like these are my last five minutes because I know the next five minutes may be all I have. And so how do we live, right? And we don't know, walking out of, walking out of the doors today, are they going to be our last five minutes? Maybe if we thought, if I only had five, what would I do with them? That might change some of the things that we do, right? Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe you're here today and, and you hear some of these old, old words um, that still mean a lot today, by the way, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, that we use as our source of authority, and you're going like, I don't know what any of that means. I don't, like, how do I, how would I know God? How would I have that personal relationship we've talked about? Well, we believe um, it's just as simple as this. Admit that you're a sinner. 
and I believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died on the cross for our sins, like we've been talking about. And see, confess with your mouth that he's the Lord of your life. And the scriptures tell us that if you do those things, um, then you'd be saved. You'd be able to enter into this amazing relationship with God forever. And, and we can look at this word and it can mean something more to us, right? Not just an old dusty book we leave on the shelf, uh, but a book that transforms our lives, doesn't it? And a God who's he's more personal than a God of somebody who lays down a prayer blanket in a park and says, I'm going to do this ritualistically. And if I don't, then God doesn't love me and I'm not going to get reward in heaven. No, this is a God who, man, it, you open up his word and they... What does the word do? It comes alive to us, right? It shapes us, it molds us, and he teaches us. We don't have to live under the stress of making sure that everything's perfect. Like, if we don't do this the right way, it's, it's going to go bad. No, just talk about God, okay? And make him a part of your lives and a part of your family. And then I can, I can almost guarantee you, as Moses says, hey, remember, so the next generation will remember too, okay? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for this time. Um, God, uh, you are the one true God. Um, help us to remember like what Moses said, uh, that we would live in awe of you. Um, God, that we'd be careful to uh, follow your word, follow your direction, your commands um, diligently. Um, God, I just um, I pray as we think about these things, how do we do this daily? It's, it's so hard on us, it seems like, a lot of the time. Um, but do we talk about you going along our way? Um, do we have conversations when we wake up, when we go to bed? Do we read your word? Does it change us? God, I pray that... Um, it would through this diligent pursuit, like what your word says, are we diligently following you? Are we carefully doing that? God, do we want to honor you? Um, our kids will see that. Uh, God, it's not like we can hide these things. Um, other people will see that as we leave this place, as we go wherever we're going to go to eat, whatever we're going to go to do. Um, God, we know people are watching and they see it. Um, help us to be a good example of being faithful to you um, so the next generation would do the same thing. What a great um, honor and privilege you've given us and responsibility. Um, help us to be worthy of that calling. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church. Have a wonderful Sunday. And if you're in youth, don't forget, Nerf War today. See David for more details about that if you're going.